podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer, and on this occasion, I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the captain, Sir Tom, and Hannah Ingram Moore of the Terrace team up. That's right, we're going to take your money, but we're not going to be wholly transparent about what we're doing with it. And we might get a wee bit about lower league Scottish football in there while we're at it. We're going to be taking a general dander about the divisions, a wee bit of a grab bag looking at what's going on in the Championship, League One and League Two, and we might have a couple of laughs along the way while we're at it. Uh, before we get started, Sean, how the devil are you? I'm very well. Do you know something? I was uh, I was relieved to, to, to work in the office today because no. uh, next door has been getting their house renovated. Right. Uh, so it's been noisy recently. I normally work from home or try and work from home at the start of the week. But they put scaffolding up at the end of last right. week. I was like, what's happening here? Uh, and they've been putting on a new roof. So for Monday and Tuesday, there was about maybe a team of six to eight men. And they weren't just making noise with hammers and various other utensils. All of their stories involved swearing. Like all of them. Like, I don't know if I've heard the sentence, ah, f- ah you're fucking right there. Like, ah. I, I've heard that a lot. Like, Monday, it's, Tuesday, Wednesday. I find that difficult to listen to people who use swearing as a form of punctuation. You know how people go, like, M's, and, like, I was um, walking down the street, and um, and I was fucking walking down the street <laughs> and fucking... Just gap-filling. Aye, just gap-filling. It's, uh, it's it's very difficult to, to, to listen to. I find it I find it quite obnoxious. It's, uh, it's not for me. Here's a question, though, for you, Sean. Do you reckon, would you prefer if, say... A hundred workies turned up, and they just they were able to do the the work a lot quicker than six people. Uh, that's dependent on how quick the six people are going to be. If the six people can be finished this week while I'm <laughs> in the office and I'm back working from home on Monday, then no, because a hundred people <laughs> swearing and using hammers <laughs> that would be really noisy. But just imagine how quickly it'd be over and done with, though. You could get that done in about an hour or so. Oh, if it was over and done in an hour, aye, that would be... Aye. I mean, surely that's it. The more people working on something, the time required to do it comes down. Aye, and then I can just go for my lunch at that point, can't I? I I hope Willie Hawhey's listening, right? So I'm going to pitch an idea to him. (laughs) Hang on to your hat, Lord Hawhey. Here's an idea for you. Why don't you just hire a thousand workies to come down and finish lesser? For an hour. For an hour. hour. (laughs) Just for an hour. Your fucking queens will be playing in it by the weekend. What? Can you imagine, like, like Hawhey, Dempster, whoever else all listening to this podcast going, fuck, he's right, by the way. A real light bulb moment. A real light bulb moment. It's that, that, surely that's it. I remember watching a video on, it might have been on, on YouTube, it might have been on Twitter or something, where they, it was somewhere in Japan where I think it might have been, certainly there was a good number of them, uh, engineers all built a, a platform for a railway or put down a new sort of railway. They did it overnight. That is effective, isn't it? It was like ants. They sped the footage up and it was like ants. Very impressive. Regardless, that's how I've been. What about you? What about you? Let's not miss out you. What have I been doing? Um, Because the last time I saw you, you were naked. 
I should clarify what, what Sean means by that. Sean and I, our friendship hasn't extended into the realms where Sean and I have got carnal knowledge of one another. I think that would just be... I said, there's a line, Sean, I'm not prepared to cross. No matter how much I like you and respect you. Um, no, no, I was naked because I had been... Sean and I last saw each other virtually on Monday. I had been out all day on the Sunday and was a little worse for wear. I hadn't left my bed. So I took part in a Zoom meeting uh, in the nude... You couldn't see anything. Uh, I was very keen to make sure the duvet did not go beneath my groin. Uh, but on, on the whole, I was, I, I, reader, I was naked. Fine now, though. Bounce back since then. Pleased to hear it. Pleased uh, to hear it. Danny Denham not with you tonight? Danny Denham is, no, not, not tonight, no. You're a fucking fantastic friend. Ah, that, like, you're saying that as, as if you're not happy that I've done podcasts with him. That's no, fine, mate. You ought to hang out with Danny Denham instead. <laughs> fucking get him in here and do all your lower league podcasts instead. Your best mate laughing at all his jokes. <laughs> oh, you're, you're such a great player, Danny. You've had a great career when you really think of it. You uh, you hate the, the you hate list podcasts. So so there uh, needs to be so there needs to be somebody else to do it. I don't I don't hate a list podcast. I hate people stealing my friends. That's what <laughs> I hate. <laughs> That's what Danny's done. Danny's stole Danny's stolen you. He's stolen you away from me. You do not like doing this podcast. Therefore, somebody else has to do it. Therefore, Danny Denham has, has kindly like, stepped in. I get the thing is the format the terrace podcast ones take. I get frustrated by them because you should agree beforehand. These are the twelve and do them in order. Not say here's my number twelve. Oh, I've picked this player at number four, and then having like twenty minutes later to go and talk about the player and b- make relatively the same points that somebody did earlier. Okay, that's fair enough. I understand that. But but I I don't think I've, I've I've stolen your friend or or vice versa. No, he's he's um I what I might do full disclosure I I've got Danny Denham's telephone number. I might text him uh, and just say if I hear you do one more podcast with Sean, <laughs> yeah you're in for it. I will be listening. It was a good listen though. I did I didn't I did enjoy it. To be fair, like uh, like uh, my my pride aside, I I did enjoy it. So so it's well done. Oh, good glad and thank uh, you. How does he compare to me? I feel like an ex-lover here. Is he is he better than me? Is he different than me? <laughs> And it's just, uh, it's it's just as good, but in a different way. Yeah, right. Listen, I will we'll agree to disagree. No, he is, he is nice. He is nice. He's got a nice set. He's nice, nice way about him. He really does. I, I agree. He does. He's, he's a, if he if he wasn't a football player, um, no, he'd be a teacher. That's that's. I mean, he's literally as a teacher, literally as a teacher. So. Um, as we said at the at the start, um, are, you, are you seeing him later tonight, Sean? You're going to be hanging out and playing PlayStation with him later tonight. No, no, I I, I don't have a PlayStation, and, and I'm also not hanging hanging out with him. Right, good. Well, as we mentioned at the <laughs> the, the top of this podcast, this is where Sean and I are moving away from our patented three game: one from the Championship, one from League One, and one from League Two. I was down at the patent office earlier in the week. Uh, that's patented, by the way. That's I've got a certificate. Um, to to prove it, alongside my certificate saying that I own a constellation of stars, um, that, that that format is patented. So if we hear anyone else doing that that format, where they talk about one game from the championship, one game from League One, one game from League Two, Sean and I can issue a cease and desist letter. Do, and do you really? Well, do you really own a constellation of stars? Um, no, of course. No, not. you don't. Do you? I, were... I, do, I do own a patent for for for, the, for this format of podcasts. I thought you were going to say yes. It's a Ryan's belt. <laughs> but somebody must must own them when they were giving out the certificates for constellations. Someone must own a Ryan's belt. 
the three stars. You, you think that somebody must own the three stars that, that Aye, constitute you know, Orion's belt? But, but you know, like how you can you can go online, you can buy a star. Somebody must own one of the three stars in Orion. Well, they'll have a piece of paper to say that they own one of the three stars in Orion's belt. Maybe, uh, maybe Jimmy O'Ryan owns all three. <laughs> Um, I was going to say Logan Paul he seems the sort of person that would own all three I've only just started watching Succession this week well, no 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 no. you're thinking of Logan Roy Logan Paul's the YouTuber fucking <laughs> 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 so I am I, 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 think, I think it's less likely that uh, Logan Paul would own them Logan Paul's a very wealthy guy he's got a, a, a limited edition um, Pokemon card that he wears around his neck <laughs> would that be similarly priced to Orion's belt? I doubt it. I think it could be. I mean, at least you can touch and feel the hope, uh, card. You can't, you can't I, touch I, and feel Orion's belt. I hope he doesn't wear it when he's wrestling. It could damage it. Uh, no, it's in a, it's in a one. It's in a plastic case, and no, he takes off because you could oh. actually hurt someone. Probably uh, hurt a, someone by doing what that. A relief. Right. Um, do you want to talk about the football? If I must. Unless we're getting, Sean and I are getting away from astronomy and we are going to be doing a, a bit of a grab bag where, where I think we, because there was games in midweek, we haven't necessarily had a chance to do a full deep dive analysis on them. So we're just going to be looking at what's going on at the top of the championship, what's going on at the top of League One, uh, the ongoing situation, the game that will never be played between Dumbarton and Sterling Albion. And we'll also be looking at the battle of the bottom as it heats up. Five points separating four teams, so a lot to play for. But Sean, we will start at Ben's Park. Dundee currently top of the championship. Four wins from their last six matches, including a 3-1 victory over a depleted Wraith Rovers side on Tuesday night. Now, I watched the highlights this just before we got started, and going by them, it was almost exclusively uh, Dundee United chances and attacks. Two very well taken goals from Zach Robinson, a neat finish from Alex Jakubiak, and William Accio uh, with the late consolation. Just don't invite him to any parties, or if you do, ID the guests that go to the parties before you bring William Accio for his safety as much as anyone else's. <laughs> Sean, what did you think of this match? Uh, <clears throat> in terms of in terms of Tuesday night. I actually felt like uh, like a lower league club going to a, a team in a higher division and trying to shop shop and trying to frustrate <laughs> them and trying to maybe get it to extra time. And I, I appreciate that the Wraith Rovers were, were depleted. But as much as they kind of frustrated Dundee for 25 minutes, half an hour, uh, that that's all they did. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the highlights were a, a fairly decent representation of the game. Only watched it, uh, only watched the first half and then I watched it to 2-0 and then I started watching... Uh, so I watched in my both actually at that point but Dundee were dominant in terms of possession not necessarily in terms of like they weren't peppering the Rovers goals uh, the Rovers mm-hmm. goal by any stretch of the imagination but it was it was a very very uh, straightforward win and in terms of in terms of Dundee's resurgence which I suppose it is I kind of thought I kind of thought that game against Arbroath on Saturday because I watched that as well I thought I kind of summed up their season and I do wonder if maybe overstated how because everybody see everybody in that top five this season have been performance wise abject at points mm-hmm. some of them have also been very good at points all of them have been abject performance wise at, at various stages of the season however in terms of results Dundee haven't really went through a prolonged period where they've either failed to put points yeah. on the board or like, so for example, Partick Thistle lost five yeah. games in a row. Queen's Park have just lost three games in a row. Even when Dundee fans were at their most uh, concerned about Gary Boyer, they were still putting points together, whether it was 
maybe it was a disappointing win or a draw that they that they that they, that they weren't expected to that they should have they should have got three points but ended up with a with, with a point, which meant that because they were never really that far away, they were in a, they were always close to kind of take advantage of anybody else. And I kind of feel when it comes to January, a lot of teams in the championship either maybe went backwards or stayed still. Whereas Dundee got incrementally better, and I do think that's why they've been able to take advantage of certainly Queen's Park's recent hiccup. That's very interesting, Sean. That was my <clears throat> observation from looking at the, the the teams around them, Queen's Park, Partick Thistle. Queen's Park have, have, I think over the course of the season, Queen's Park have punched above their weight. I certainly yeah. don't think, I didn't expect them to, to challenge for, for the title. I thought they'd, they'd challenge for the top four. I thought they'd be doing what, say, Callie Thistle are doing just now, sort of knocking on the door. And Partick Thistle, as you say, yeah, they had that really poor spell, five game, five defeats in a row that preempted Ian McCall's removal for, for, from the team. But Dundee, Dundee haven't uh, re- really done that. And, and being able to bring guys like Zach Robinson in, who you think after having such a successful spell in the first half of the season, could return to MK Dons, sorry, AFC Wimbledon. Oh, don't get those, don't, <laughs> what the hell, don't get those two teams confused. Could go back to AFC Wimbledon, make some sort of impact there, and getting him back for, for the second half, just an inspired piece of business for them. And you can see, even watching those highlights there, him and Alex Jakubiak, there seems to be a real degree of understanding mm-hmm. between the two of them. And they seems to have a, a real partnership in attack. Yeah. And I don't really think that there are many other sides and well, certainly around them can, can boast that same degree of cohesion going forward. I, I know that, that Partick Thistle have recorded two really impressive results, but certainly Jakubiak and uh, Robinson look better than, than everyone else. Yeah. I mean, there's not too many teams in, there's probably not too many teams in general have partnerships up front. And I think Dundee fans have been have been crying out for it all season. I think Boyer has generally went with one up front. And I, I think what's what has been very frustrating for Dundee fans is maybe if, let's say Dundee's been chasing a game. <clears throat> Excuse me, let's say Dundee's been chasing a game and he's, he's maybe went with those two up front for, I don't know, the last 25 minutes of a game. And they've really troubled the opponents and they managed to maybe get back into the game. And they think, right, well, we were so much better with those two up top. Why don't we start next Saturday with those two up front? And it's never really happened. Mm-hmm. And whether it's by accident or design, uh, he has put the two of them up front. And you're right, they're, they're a really good partnership. The way they combined for that that first goal, uh, a kind of one-two, you could be uh, played about, I mean, poor defending, but regardless, mm-hmm. good good strike play. Uh, so so he's definitely, I think, in terms of going forward, he is come across the best thing, the best way for Dundee to play going forward. I'm not sure about them in the middle of the park. I think they're okay. I think one thing that maybe doesn't get spoken about enough is actually defensively, they've been really good this season. Mm. So I think they've kept clean sheets in just under half the league games this season. They've got the best defensive record by a mile uh, in the division. When you put that together with, bear in mind we've spoken about earlier in the, in the season about how good... Queen's Park have been going forward and scoring goals. We spoke about them scoring sixes and fives and fours. Queen's Park have only scored one more goal than Dundee. So, so there's, there's potentially been a bit of a, a kind of overstatement as to how mm-hmm. poor Dundee have been this season. Uh, but I, the way it's set up with, with, with four games to go and the fixtures that are left, I'm now at the stage where I'd be a wee bit surprised. And considering how Queen's Park seem to be stumbling, I'd now be surprised if Dundee didn't win the league. I, I, I've often thought, in fact, I've often thought, I've always thought that Dundee would win the league, regardless of, of when they when they, they dropped away from Queen's Park significantly. I would need to go back and check the tables over the, the various stages of the season. It's quite difficult to try and find that data, especially since um, 
Stato has, has RIP Stato RIP well, Stato Very much missed uh, Fitbus stats is decent but yeah, it's a bit clunkier to use yes. and a bit more difficult to navigate his way around so it's a bit, so, anyway, a bit more difficult to isolate the league tables on, on certain dates so but I'm sure even like when Queen's <coughs> Park were like 6 points ahead 7 points ahead when, when Dundee were, were perhaps in, in third third place, I'm not sure they, they fell even further behind that. I always thought Dundee would come to the fore. They're a side that you can't 100% put your faith in. I'm yeah. sure we said that on a view from the tennis mm-hmm. last week yep. prior to their nil-nil drop with our bro. <laughs> and this was coming off the back of one of the most impressive results of the season when they, they beat Hamilton Ackies 7-0. They're not a side you can 100% put your faith in. However, when it comes to the end of the season, I think they'll probably win the division by three points. The final game of the season is really what it all comes down to because they're playing Queen's Park at Oakville View. And that could could be, a, could be a, a league decider, depending on how the rest of the season goes. But I do fancy Dundee to have won the division by that point. Yeah, I mean, this, this Saturday's key. So they are home to Morton. They haven't beaten Morton no. this season then they're away to Inverness, then they play Cove. So you would imagine home to Cove, it's a weird league, but you still expect them to beat Cove. I think Inverness away is a, a, a tough game, but if they can take three points from uh, Morton, three points from Cove, even a point at Inverness, you would imagine that they'll very much be in the driving seat come the, come the end, the, that, that final game. But I, the, the way Queen's Park have been going recently, it, it just feels like they've dropped off. They've never really... I, I think we spoke at the time that they had kind of taken the loss of Simon Murray in their stride. Actually, that's, that doesn't appear to be the case. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's probably been a bigger blow that than seemed the case at the time. And uh, they're they're now going through their poor spell and uh, it, it feels like they've run out of puff. I need to see what the... I haven't seen Queen's Park in the flesh since Simon Murray left them. I think I saw them once, twice early in the season. I've spoken about it in this podcast previously. I was there when they, they beat Hamilton Aki's 4-0 and Murray was just incredible that day and just his movement laterally, his physical movement, his physical, sorry, his physical presence, his, his energy, everything he can do, he's, he, he was excellent for him. So important to just knitting all that attack together. Uh, and it's good to see him continue that at Ross County. Um, but aye, massive loss for, for Queens. I'd need to see him again and see how it's altered the way they play. But the, I, the results have the results have been like really, really bad recently. I, I know there's been chat about the fact that so, so yes, money's left and Connor Shields has come in. However, they're not creating as many chances as they did under the, when Simon Money was up front. So it's it's I think there's a theory it's not necessarily the replacement of Murray with Shields. However, I think you've you've summarised it there in terms of how he knitted everything together because I Murray could could finish chances. However, he could kind of do things on his own mm-hmm. or he could drop deep or he could go wide. He could do all of those things. So I do actually think that Queen's Park were creating more chances because they had Simon Murray in the team. Yeah, if no, that no, makes I, sense. Completely. I could, could, completely, completely agree with you, certainly. But I went to see them just... I could, I, I'm not going to compare the two because I'm going to watch what I say here. But <laughs> no, uh, please do. I don't know. I don't know which two you're comparing, but please do. I'm going to compare Simon Murray to Didier Drogba. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you've compared the two. <laughs> but obviously, obviously, on a much, a much smaller scale, a much smaller scale. But you remember when Drogba was at Chelsea? Like Drogba was the complete striker. Could play yeah. his back to goal. Could run the channels. Could run him behind. 
could uh, link up play with others, could do a bit of everything. Simon Murray could do that. And Shields does have his qualities. I, I think that he's a player that's perhaps not quite good enough for the top flight. We saw yeah. that he, he didn't really kick on with, with Motherwill. But uh, certainly a player who has his uses. But um, I would need to see more of him in the flesh to compare him to Simon Murray. But on the evidence, if you're going to take results, for instance, and I'm not creating a lot of chances, then that is uh, that is good evidence to 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 to, to look at. Um, what about Partick Thistle? I think six points off the top of the table with four games to go. They would need to that they'd really need Dundee and Queens Park to have a, a real dip in form if they're to take advantage of that and win the title. It's too much. They've given themselves yeah. the, the chasm is too much for them to, to to make points up. I think if they were going to do anything, they probably needed Wraith Rovers to take something off a Dundee on Tuesday night, and like Wraith turned up with well, they had three subs to start with, and then Spencer went off injured in the warm up, and suddenly they were down to two. And and bear in mind, Wraith had nothing to play for. I, I think uh, mm-hmm. I, I think most players in that in that squad, and I uh, can't necessarily blame them. Like in terms of. A kind of lack of interest between now and the end of the season. They kind of get relegated. They kind of get promoted. They probably don't want to do themselves an injury. As the yeah. I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're doing it intentionally, but there must be something at the back of their mind that says, "Listen, I, I maybe don't want to make this slight tackle." Or do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never, I never expected Wraith to, to take anything from Dundee and Jesus. So I, I thought that was the, probably the final nail in uh, in Patrick Thistle's coffin. I, however, in terms of in terms of form going into the playoffs, you would so let's say it's. So Queen's Park are obviously going to be there. Patrick Thistle are presumably going to be there. Somebody else will will, will be there, whether that's Ayr, whether that's Inverness. Mm. Out of all of those teams, you would now say that Patrick Thistle would have maybe the best chance to to play the team that's that, that's 11th in the Premiership? I'm hugely impressed by what I saw from the highlights against Queen's Park. Just that yep. attack. Mm-hmm. Just Brian Graham for instance, just the way he knitted everything together in that attack. And Brian Graham's a player I've always liked. I'm sure I've always spoken quite highly mm-hmm. of him in these podcasts. The, the wee touch through that he played for, for Scott Tiffany to, to play the ball across the face of goal for Kyle Turner to score, just different class. And when they, they got going, they, they looked really, really impressive, really impressive. And I, you're right, it is perhaps, I say, no, you're right. I am I'm right. I'm, I'm the one that said it. It is just a bit... <laughs> Too too much to ask them to to do anything, but they could they could certainly finish in second. I I I wouldn't uh, I I I could could see them. And I mean the teams they they they're up against between now and then the season. Massive game at the weekend against their United. I think they they could they could really knock the stuffing out of United. And if results go elsewhere, Cali Thistle could uh, go into fourth place. Hamilton Ackies dreadful at the moment. Are both. By that point, might have nothing to play for. Wraith Rovers Wraith. might might have yep. nothing to play for. So the signs point to a, a strong finish for for Thistle, and and I'd fancy, I'd certainly fancy a uh, championship side to get promoted this season. And there'll be two teams going up. I, I and I do think that I think that finishing second is is hugely important. Uh, if I was going to if I was going to if I was going to pick who the, the kind of finishing positions, I would say. Dundee first, I'll go with Partick Thistle second, uh, Queen's Park run out of steam third, Ayr, I mean, like Ayr were kind of excellent for about two-fifths of the season and then have been fairly fairly ordinary, if, if not poor, for the rest. Uh, I, I think they'll drop out Inverness to finish fourth. I'll be honest, I would love it if Inverness got promoted because uh, <laughs> just, just Wraith Rovers never beat them and it's, it's very, very frustrating. So I'd like Inverness to get promoted, but I think they'll finish fourth and uh, that just makes it slightly more difficult 
and I'll go for I'll go for Dundee and Partick to, to get promoted. It's very sensible, Sean. Those were the two teams that I had picked out for favourites for the title at the beginning of the season. And there are a lot of tribulations along the way, but it's nice to see that you have eventually agreed to my point of view. And in fairness, I, I think I'd done I think I'd Partick to win the league and, and Dundee to finish second. So it's not as if I was a million miles away. No, no, no. That's uh, I'll give you some degree of credit. I'll give you some degree of credit. Thank for you, that, Sean. Very good. It's, it's difficult to make predictions, isn't it? I'd, I'd say so. By, by their very nature, that is difficult. Because at the start of the season, that you, I mean, there's, I, I say I'm, I'm saying this like we're the only people that have ever tried to predict anything, <laughs> tried to predict the outcome of a football match, tried to predict the outcome of weather, tried to predict the outcome of a marriage. You know, everyone, everyone makes predictions. So I won't explain to the listener. What, do, we, uh, what's do, do people make predictions on marriages? I I predict they'll divorce in six years. You ever done that? Uh, I, I don't know if I have. No, maybe 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 I'm the abnormal one. The way it works, Sean, is you look at a couple. Right, I'll just explain yeah. how a marriage prediction works to you. You look at a couple and you just think, mm, I wonder how long they'll be together. The rest of their life, perhaps someone will pick up a terminal illness very uh, unexpectedly. <laughs> there are a number of factors involved. I mean, I think I understood how it would work. I just don't think I've ever, like, maybe, I don't know, heard about a couple getting engaged or been at a wedding and thought to myself, this will never last. Oh, have you ever been to a wedding and thought this will never last? Uh, I, I don't think so. Have you ever been to a wedding had your doubts and suspicions before? Uh, have I? No, I don't think so. I've never been to one either where I've had doubts. I thought, this is rock solid. This is built on sand. Not built on sand. What's the other one? Um, built on rocks. Solid rock foundations. Solid. solid foundations. I just think the wise man built his house upon the, the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Mm-hmm. I was because it was easier, wasn't it? Well, I, I, I think building something on sand would be silly. Constantly shifting. It was easier for the guy to build in sand, so that's why he did it. He was the foolish man. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, sometimes the easiest path isn't the isn't the right one to take. Well, that's why you read the Bible every day, Sean, and uh, <laughs> I am constantly embarrassing myself by getting verses from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John incorrect. It was one of the New Testament, isn't it? Like, what happened? What did the rest of the lads do after Jesus uh, passed over? Craig, I've no idea. I've, I've never read the Bible in my puff. If, listener, you know what happened to the rest of the lads after Jesus popped over, popped over, passed over, popped, popped over, pop, popped over, like he's handing in some scones. <laughs> if you know what happened after Jesus popped over uh, to heaven permanently, please put it in the Discord and someday we'll maybe tell us about us. They'll pass, the most, it, they'll pass it on. They'll pass who, it on. Who's the most online person in the terrace? Oh, uh, oh! I know who it is. It's Graham Theolis. Have you seen his uh, bunker? That is a man. He does got, have a real kind of man bunker, doesn't he? That's a man who's got a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook. <laughs> that's a man who enjoys watching Arlington Road. Do you think he's prepared for apocalypse? Uh, no, I think he's prepared for some domestic terrorism. <laughs> however, like I said, I remember once describing him as the kind of man who would shut a laptop down as soon as somebody else walked into a room. Who knows what he's doing in that room? Just playing FIFA, playing Call of Duty, playing Fortnite, or is he hanging out with some other like-minded individuals who want to bring down the government? you will just be Googling Motherwell. <laughs> Steel man. That's his name. Perhaps his writing, uh, Steel Man Erotic Fiction. 
Whoa, that's uh, Steelman's a, a good name for a, a, a for an erotic another, character. For erotic, there, was, there was a porn star called Lex Steel, I'm sure. Uh, for sure, it was Lexington Steel was his Lex- full name. Ah, right, that's to give him his Christian name. Steel, still- with, uh, steel with three E's. Ah, but it was, was it not Steel like E-E-L-E, or was it Steel like that? <laughs> no, E-E-L-E. Ah, nah, that, right, was okay. that, was the, that was the order of the, uh, the three E's. Right, okay. So so maybe, uh, Graham, if you're listening and you do want to write erotic fiction, perhaps change the character's <laughs> name because there might be some Lexington Steel fans that buy your wares and then I end up disappointed and end up uh, writing a negative review online. What was the name of Steelman's sidekick? He did have a sidekick, doesn't he? I, 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 did Steelman have a sidekick? Oh, somebody with uh, Thatcher Buster or something like that. <laughs> Steelman and Thatcher Buster. I, I don't think that is the name. However, it, it's a good one. Again, listen, listener, if you know Steelman Psychic, please put it in the Discord. And know that Graham Thulis, obviously, fucking the, the most online man on the planet, he will let us know uh, one way or the other. Bloody good guy, Graham. It sounds like uh, it sounds like I've, I've got an issue with him. I don't. If he wants to hang it with dudes online, that's up to him. I like um, him. That's, that's, that's a, mm-hmm. a, safe, a safe pair of hands. Mm-hmm. Terrific operator. Mm-hmm. Um, Classy, though. He does wear glasses, um, so you he couldn't join the RAF. Can you imagine? Do you think you could? You think you could pilot a like a fighter jet with a, a beard as big as, as? I can't imagine that either. I think you have to have no glasses and not have a beard. Can you imagine like Graham Thulis working in the RAF, uh, giving coordinates to to someone ordering a drone strike? He'd blow up a civilian hospital by mistake because because. His glasses are steamed up or something. No, because he's because he's he's not winning his glasses because he's trying to keep his, his eyesight <laughs> issue. He's trying, he's trying to keep his eyesight issue a secret. <laughs> Unfortunately, they've blown up a primary school and now he's facing a disciplinary. <laughs> I, he just imagined. Right, look really hard at this. Don't let it away that you can't see what it is you're doing. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, Graham Thielis tried in the Hague for war crimes. I just didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, we're so sorry. Uh, we're supposed to be talking about football and we're, we're, uh, we're talking about the destruction of um, the infrastructure in Syria. At the hands, at the hands of a man from Motherwell. Let's go into League One, and we'll talk Let's... about the race for the League One title now. Dum- Dumbarton, Dunfermline Athletic can win the League One title at the weekend. They're taking on Queen of the South East End Park. They currently have an eleven-point lead over Falkirk, and their two-nil win over Peterhead on Tuesday night sees them inching ever closer. See, it's inevitability, Sean. I very much so. I. I, I would say I was I've been proven wrong about the film this season. I mean, I, I presumed they would be uh, very much at the at the top of the table. I just thought Falkirk would have won it. I I was worried about the. I wasn't worried at all. I, I thought <laughs> I, I thought the family squad was kind of wafer thin. I thought they were relying on young players. I wasn't sure about James McPeak. However, the I mean the squad is is pretty thin, but those those young players that they have. They're all very, very good. 
mm. hugely talented uh, kind of individuals within that team. Really like Matty Todd, for example. The, the fact that they, they managed to get Matty Todd signed down, I think maybe a, a three-year deal. Like, I, I think he will make them a lot of money. I think mm. he's a, a, a very talented player. But just defensively, like they've been so good this season. So somebody put on Pine Bovril, and then to be fair, they hadn't worked out how that would differentiate their results against, I think, Clyde, for example. But basically said if, if Dunfermline hadn't scored a single goal this season, they'd have 19 points and they'd be eighth. Which is kind of subs up because <laughs> they'd have had nineteen nil nil draws, but but that's that's how good they've been defensively. And as much as I, I think they, I think initially when Sam Fisher went uh, went back to Dundee after his loan spell finished, I think there was a bit of uh, kind of getting used to that, like yeah. a, a slight change of, a slight change of system. But no, they've just been they've just been relentless. And whereas you think Falkirk have a we bit a soft underbelly, as you used to say about Wraith Rovers when when McGlynn was a manager. The film is just just don't have that, and they've been far and away the best team uh, in, in League One. And, and, and fair play to them, I, I think they all teams generally do pretty well when they win League One, with the exception of Cove Rangers. Uh, I, I, I think the film will be pretty good in the in the championship next season. Yeah, I, I at the beginning of the season, having watched that Falkirk's highlights a couple of times. In fact, I, I even go back further, going back to, you're basing it on one game, but the Hibernian game in the League Cup, the yep. Falkirk were tremendous. Falkirk mm-hmm. were excellent that day. And, and yeah, they rode their luck at points in the first half. I'm sure did someone miss a penalty in that game. I'm right in saying. Can't remember. Can't remember. Can't remember. remember. I can't remember. They were good, though. Regardless, they were very good. Yes, they were very good. And after watching that and seeing some of their results, I thought, this the Falkirk are going to win the league. Falkirk are going to win the league here. But, that all changed when it came to the match between the two sides on November at the Falkirk mm-hmm. Stadium where Dunfermline won 1-0 and watching the highlights on Falkirk TV it was a succession of corners it was a terrible <laughs> game of football but that was it. And, and from that point that, that certainly the, the Falkirk fans I spoke to were like James McPake has John McGlynn's number mm-hmm. Falkirk want to play against sides that will open up a wee bit because they can pass through them because they, they've got a guy like Callum Morrison who can take people people on and and uh, guys in the middle of the park that, that want to get on the ball and, and knock it about. However, deny them the space, shut down, make things difficult for them. They're a wee bit one-dimensional mm-hmm. in that regard. And that's <clears throat> what McPake seemed to play for, was just like playing for set pieces, one of them which was converted by Craig Whiting. And at that point, I thought, uh, I can't see Falkirk beating them. And then I switched to, to Don Fermlin. I'm interested next season about about how James McPake makes a transition because I, I, I think if you, you look at the bare facts of his CV, you can only say that, uh, that he's been successful so far in almost everything he's done. He got Dundee promoted. He is going to get Dunfermline promoted. Yes, he was doing very well with Dundee and in, in, in the Premiership and eventually uh, left his uh, left his position. Uh, However, I suppose if you're going to be, if you want to be glass half empty, there might be kind of Alan Johnson vibes about him. Like I kind of expected mm. him to get Dundee promoted. I expected him to get Dunfermline promoted. And I, I think if you, from what you know about James McPeak, I don't think he, he, I don't think he handles defeats very well. And Does next he handle season, criticism on social media well either. Uh, and, and next season oh. will be clearly more difficult for Dunfermline. And I, I do think. So I even think that this Dunfermline squad would be fine in the championship. I, I don't know if they'd be trouble in top four. Maybe, maybe there or thereabouts. I, I think he'll need to recruit reasonably well in the summer if Dunfermline are to be promotion candidates. Uh, 
so there's still a bit of work to do, but I am I'm I'm really keen to see how he gets on because I I'm not sure about James McPake. However, as I said, when you look at your CV, Dundee promoted, the film promoted, it's difficult to argue against it. And mm-hmm. um, next season will be really interesting about him. And in terms of so for example, you, you look at the, the, the forwards, like White and sign a new deal, uh Todorov, McCann. It kind of feels like there certainly there, there's work to be done. Uh interesting to see what his recruitment is like in the summer and how he copes with a more difficult campaign next time around. No, that's that, that's a very fair observation, but I suppose that they're not really going to be thinking about that. Certainly not in the, the in the immediate future because we've got a game against Queen of the South to to play. play. I know, I know what you mean. That it's obviously something that I think everyone at the club. It's not one hundred percent confirmed yet, but everyone at the club will think there's absolutely no way. No, of no course. way, no way that they can blow an eleven point lead with four games to go. That 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 seems seems absolutely unfathomable. But so I'm sure people at the club are thinking about it, and, and James McPake is already identifying players to yeah. to take them on to the next the next level. And, and so I was on. I was glad I was glad they didn't win it in midweek. Uh, I, I don't mean that from a because I'm a Ray Rovers perspective, but like it, I think it would have been like I don't know how much of a travelling support they took up. They probably took out a decent support. Yeah. Uh, up there on a on a Tuesday night, but I think winning it in front of your home fans. If that does happen, but they've now given themselves a chance to win it on Saturday against Queen of South, I would imagine there'll be five or six thousand fans there. And, and I see if you'd been in the crowd on Tuesday, that there would have been a real kind of I was there. I was one mm. of the Dunfermline mm. fans that was there at Peterhead when we won the league. But to do it in front of your home fans in front of five or six thousand, aye, that's that that's probably how you want to do it, I think. You think they'll beat Queen of the South? Yeah, I don't think it'll be easy because a they haven't been they've probably been better away from home than they have been at home this season, and I think Marvin Bartley deserves a lot of credit for the last kind of five or six games. Uh, yeah, in terms of Queen of South's form recently, I, I think I think Bartley signed very well, which which bodes well for next season. Listen, maybe they'll get in the playoffs. Who knows? But I no, I, I do expect Dunfermline to, to win on Saturday. I suppose it's, it must be quite. I was when I watched the highlights for this game. This was the other game highlights watched was Peterhead nil Dunfermline two. I think it was uh, Nikolai Todrov and Craig White scoring a goal uh, about uh, ten minutes, twelve minutes from from each other in the the second half. If you're going up there, P- Peterhead would have gone into that game. Well, we've got a decent result against fact that decent result. You got a fucking great result against Edinburgh the previous week. First win uh, in months. I think first one like eight or nine games uh, prior to beat, beating Clyde but they'd have gone in nobody's expecting anything from us we are tails to reeve up let's go and have a go and I think that they, they made life difficult for them to begin with and I think it was just Dunfermline settling down into the match and you would describe that as like a, a professional performance all and they didn't have to be they're not at their scintillating best they didn't necessarily have to be Peterhead or a, a poor side but it was from having seen some of the criticism uh, that's, that's only reading Pine Bovril directed at recent performances. If I was a Dunfermline fan, I'd find, I mean, it's easy for me to say not watching the game, but very little to be critical of. Uh, I, I think they were, from what I saw, certainly in the first half, it was, it, it looked like it was kind of eeksy peeksy, I suppose, which mm. is, is surprising considering the, the, the kind of relative quality of the both starting 11s. Peterhead certainly made life uh, difficult for them. But aye, let's face it, even if Peterhead had played to their, their kind of optimum level and Dunfermline had a really poor night, 
you probably still expect Dunfermline to, 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 to sneak it. Dude, that, that's interesting as well from having spoken to a friend who's a Falkirk supporter. I, I sent him a text after the 2-2 draw between Falkirk and Dunfermline, which was like, going into to, to that game, you're expecting there to be like a lot of fanfare about it because it's two teams, first and second in the division, two teams that, that don't like each other. But there seemed to be a real lack of fanfare going into it. I think that's sort of realisation from... Certainly, from both sets of supporters, that there wasn't really much at stake. Dunfermline were far too far ahead for Falkirk to catch them, and even if Falkirk had beaten them, there's still an eight-point gap with five games to go. Again, spoken about Dunfermline's defensive strengths, very difficult for for anyone else to try and break them down. And although, from having read the reports on Pinebrook and having spoken to my friend, Falkirk were generally the better side. I think over mm-hmm. the course of that match. But even so, they, they still could only draw with Peterhead. Yeah. And, and Dunfermline, sorry. And but in terms of see in, see in terms of fanfare, so see even if let's say Falkirk could win that match three two, right? See it full time, you still would have had Dunfermline fans gloating. Like that game was essentially an if you're a Dunfermline fan, that is an opportunity for you to turn up at the at the home of your your biggest rivals, which Falkirk are. And just give you ninety minutes of, of gloat, and unless Falkirk could absolutely run away with the game and smash mm. Dunfermline, it didn't really matter what the result was. It was just an opportunity for you to gloat at the fact that you were going to be the champion at the come the, the end of the season, no matter what the result was. Uh, so I could kind of understand certainly why, from a, a Falkirk perspective, they were almost shying away from the game and certainly mm. not being particularly excited about it, regardless of, of whether or not it's the uh, the, the biggest derby and and kind of both teams. The, the, the biggest rivalry and, and the, for, for both teams. So I can understand why there wasn't a, a huge amount of fanfare, apart from maybe like the Dunfermline perspective. No, no, that's that, that's very fair. I suppose I'm just comparing it to the game where they took each other on in March, am I yeah. right in saying that was a Tuesday mm-hmm. night? And that was, at that point, that was the biggest game that had taken place in the country, mm-hmm. certainly in the SPFL. That was a game, I, I, I'm sure the, the buy rate for that was generally very high. It was sold out from both sets of supporters, which is brilliant. And uh, a, a game of football, a good game of football, but one of which Falkirk failed to turn up in. And that's that's perhaps the, the concern that you have about for this Falkirk team. They are streaks ahead of where they were this time last season. I mean, you think about that at this point last season, that, that, that team ended up finishing sixth place. Six. Sixth place. That yeah. team, and, and, and by this point, I would need to go back and check the results. A team who were like just... Losing games like Lee Griffiths and corners. That's that. That's what it was boys' brigade leader Martin Rennie uh, outdooring <laughs> and Kenny Miller taking charge for the, for the tail end of the season. So Falkirk have come on a lot, and and there's a lot to be proud of this season. But that must be one of the biggest frustrations as you played Dunfermline four times and you've just taken two points from them. Yeah. And there's such a big gap between the sides that the it's, I suppose if you want to look at the bigger picture stuff, it is massive improvement from Falkirk. However it's still a season that could end with them about going into spending a fifth term mm-hmm. in League One. I, I, I mean, they, what were they, are they five games that are win now? Is that right? No, no, they, they, beat, they beat Montrose on sorry, Tuesday night. Sorry, yeah, so they, so they, sorry, they beat Montrose in, in midweek. They, they were five they games. They, they were five games out and right, prior okay. to that. So they had a, a kind of creditable, but that was a creditable draw against uh, the film at the weekend where they were, where they were arguably a bit aside. And I think that has given them something to cling to because I, I think there, there was a massive danger where they were going into playoffs with with a kind of negative momentum, if, that is, if that's such a thing. Uh, I, I do think Saturday's quite key to them. Like, I know it, 
arguably it doesn't matter because the team teams that finish second and third play each other in the playoffs. And you would imagine that Falkirk and Airdrie will finish second and third in some semblance of order. It might change who's at, who's at home first. But I think if Falkirk can get one over on Airdrie uh, this weekend, being my Airdrie have been on a, a brilliant one of form, yeah. a brilliant one of form, scoring goals uh, left, right and centre. If they can beat them again on Saturday, and I think Falkirk's got a pretty good record against them. Did they, I think, did Airdrie beat them heavily at the start of the season? Yeah, well, the last time they played each other, Falkirk won 3-1. Yeah, 4-0, and the, they, they beat them 4-0 early in the season. But, but since then, um, Falkirk, they've drawn with them and beaten them. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's everyone's a very even, a win a piece and a draw. I, I, I do think that Airdrie have a thing where they play quite well against the teams, against certainly Dunfermline, and Falkirk to the degree, but not quite get the result recently so I think it could have a psychological effect on uh, when they play each other in the playoffs because I, I, I suspect they will I'd be interested to know if see if you were to do to interview say say you were to interview like 25 just pull that number out of thin air say you interviewed like 25 lower league players who will take part in the playoffs and find out what their thoughts are on them are on them like if you are playing a team and then season says between you the teams for second and third and you're playing a team what does that mean going into the playoffs how much of a, a psychological impact does that make I'd be really interested to know the answers because I, I don't know I mean once you've played each other like three times already this season and it's all been quite even what difference would a a, a fourth or, or a, if Falkirk win two games compared to the like and a, a draw and a, and a defeat how much that affect the playoffs going forward? I suppose you're kind of just trying to do that to try and like find patterns and try to make sense of it. But I'm, I'd, I'd like, I'd be interested to know. I'd be interested to know. I, I suppose maybe it makes. I suppose it maybe depends. If you so let's say that there is a trend. Let's say, so let's say it was Wraith Rovers Inverness. I, I'd imagine that every single player in the Wraith Rovers dressing room was just resigned to defeat. But <laughs> but when it's like Falkirk Airdrie, where it's been like reasonably uh, evenly matched. The fact that they maybe play each other just a, a few weeks before the playoffs, maybe it does. Maybe it does make a difference. I, I, I don't know. It'd be an interesting question to to ask. Because no real secrets anymore at that point. I mean, suppose not by the time you get to the going by this, this game, stage of the season. Yeah, going to this game, there'll be no secrets either. If yeah. you've played each other three times, but I, I, I had after Falkirk had beaten Air United and the cup draw was made where they got Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle. I was certain I'm going into that game. Falkirk were going to be favourites for that match, but as we've still got what two weeks. Until yeah. that game kicks off, probably put it in for Ness as as the favourites. Aye, and for for two reasons now. So I I, I thought Falkirk had a, a pretty good chance, but a their forms tailed off, and b uh, almost all of Inverness's injured players have have come back. And I know there's been a debate among amongst Inverness fans about well, is it injured players or is it just that Billy Dodds isn't a very good manager? Now, maybe maybe Billy Dodds isn't a great manager. I, I don't really know. However, he got them in the playoffs, got to the, the final of the playoffs mm-hmm. last year. I, I think there is an outside chance he's going to get them to the playoffs again this year. And they have had a, a dreadful uh, kind of run of injuries. But it turns out that when all of these people are available, they're actually a decent team. Mm-hmm. So I... I would now I would put Inverness as a favourite shape. I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. Oh, Billy Dodds isn't, isn't a great manager because he's been he's been absolutely decimated by injuries. Then suddenly, I mean, you're not Manchester City where you, where you can take like where if you lose five players from from your your preferred eleven, 
then another five players of the same quality can come in. There's there's no one that can match that. No, I, no, but I, I, if, if you're a supporter of a club at, at, at any level and you go a run of four months where you're absolutely terrible and you are expected to, to challenge for the playoffs and you're sitting seventh or eighth and you're starting to think, we could potentially get relegated here, that, that injury list is... It's kind of shoved to one side and you start to look for other people, other things that could get the blame. So I understand how Billy Dodds came under such uh, fire from Inverness fans. But I do think ultimately the reason why they, they were so poor for, I don't know, 65, 70% of the season is because of that that, that injury list. Well, certain that Falkirk would get promoted as well. Certain that, that Dunfermline and Falkirk would be going up this season. <clears> but <throat> with Airdrie's form, I, I'm not as quite, conf- quite in, as confident in Falkirk that I was a couple of weeks ago I so I was thinking about this uh, earlier today as well in terms of where this so where I would rank this Falkirk squad in terms of if literally this Falkirk team was in the, the championship where do I think they would be so I don't think they would so there's three obviously three teams that are struggling at the bottom uh, Cove Hamilton Arbroath mm-hmm. I would place them maybe roughly the same area as as Arbroath and, and Hamilton I, yeah. I, I I don't think they're they're significantly better than them. They might be they might be slightly better than them. I don't think they're significantly better than them. Uh, and I think I think if they do come up against Arbroath or Hamilton in the playoffs, I I, I think it would be tight. I think Arbroath might beat them because I actually do think that Arbroath probably have a maybe a better start in eleven, maybe even a better squad than Falkirk. I I, I do think they would beat. I, I think they would sneak past Hamilton. I. Yeah, I think I think Hamilton will go down. Cove Rangers will finish bottom, yeah. and then Hamilton will get relegated. I just I mean, let's be honest. Hamilton have gone through what about a a good four week spell when they got they, the, they were they, good. They were good from about January until maybe March. And what I would say is that, and again, maybe it was maybe it was luck rather than design, but certainly those those two games against Wraith Rovers, so the the Challenge Cup final and that league game at Starts Park. They like Wraith are, are rubbish at defending set pieces. Hamilton hung in there in terms of defensively, the, the restricted Wraith, and they really troubled them with set pieces. So all three goals, the, the Challenge Cup final and the two on one at Starts Park, three goals all from set pieces. Maybe that's maybe there's nothing to read into that. But I I, I did wonder if they were able to if they planned to exploit race weaknesses, then they'd done that very well. If they can do that against Falkirk. Fair play to them, but maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose it's perhaps something we'll revisit uh, near the time if, if if how Falkirk will get on in the championship next season. That'd be actually quite an interesting podcast. Too. I was thinking, do a podcast of shoot predictions for the lower leagues for 2023-24, but do it at the end of the season, just as a sort of thing uh, that, that we can do. Uh, my, my mind was uh, Edinburgh to be relegated. to. to and, sorry, to, I've, I've already arranged to do that with Danny Denham. I'll have you go and fuck yourself then. <laughs> uh, but 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 while, we, while you're here with me, Sean, do you want to go and take a look at what's going on at the top of League Two? I think we should. Now, uh, on Tuesday night, Sterling Albion could have all but won the League Two title because <clears> they were playing Dumbarton. And had they won that match, they'd have gone 12 points clear at the top of the table with four games left with a massive goal difference. So it wouldn't have been official but it would have been more or less. It would have been more or less. Like an open secret. Um, like um, like Savile, really. That's probably the biggest open secret of them all. 
But just 20 minutes prior to kickoff, 20 minutes prior to kickoff, the game was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch. And this is the, the third time this game has been called off. And this I think it's a fourth. The fourth? I think it's a fourth. Shit, no way. So I, I, I think the Barton have had six games cancelled this season. Four of them have, have come against Stirling Albion. Oh, shit. Um, I, 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 I did not realise that. That's uh, that's mortifying. But this was the this is the worst that a lot of them, Sean. Like I left Glasgow to go. In fact, in fact, I left work at five o'clock, and it was spitting. It was spitting at that point. It wasn't, wasn't particularly nice. And when I left left Glasgow to go to Stenhousemuir because I was watching Elgin versus Stenhousemuir that was being streamed in the wee bar at Oakle View. We'll come on and talk about that shortly. The weather had been pretty pretty minging. It was it was raining, but it hadn't been like absolutely like pissing down or, or anything like that. And, and so to hear that, that seeing the photographs, first of all, that, that I think Fraser Clark was sharing on his social media account, I was thinking, bloody hell, that looks, that looks <laughs> rotten. And then... Uh, then to hear the game called off, you're like absolute shambles. I mean, there was a game uh, played at, at Greenock Morton that night, which must be what seven or eight miles uh, as the crow flies from from the rock, uh, which went on fine. And it's how on earth can a, a pitch where it just had like a, a a couple of hours of like I mean of bad weather make it unplayable? Yeah. And and I mean, there's obviously things that that Dumbarton can't be blamed for, namely the weather. However, there's things that, that you can kind of point the finger at. So uh, I, I, I genuinely think that the, the, the Barton Pine Bovelstead is one of the, the more interesting ones. Yeah, certainly in yeah, terms yeah, yeah. of, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate that, that, that football admin isn't always the, the sexiest of, of topics, but I, I, I do think there's, there's loads of really interesting stuff that's discussed in the, 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 the Barton thread. And one of them is, is the kind of upkeep of the, of the pitch. And they are previous groundsmen. As, as on Pine Bubble, he's he uh, uh, no longer does it. And I, oh, I, that's I, right. Yeah, that's very I, interesting. Someone has input, isn't it? And he's, I, I think he's tried to not post about about what's going on about the, the current park out of, I don't know, common decency, I suppose. He doesn't really want to get involved. But there was, uh, somebody put up a, was it a drone footage? Uh, no, so that's what done. There was a, I think it was a picture of the, it was a tractor being driven over the park and it was kind of just punching holes into it, which sounds like a terrible thing to to do on a, a really wet pitch, but I, I'm certainly not a, a, a groundsman by any stretch of imagination. So I just presume that it's probably a, a good thing. And then somebody flew a drone over the, the yeah, pitch and took that. pictures. And then the groundsman, uh, I, I think his first sentence when he saw it was, uh, oh my God. And it, it was like I'd, I'd, I'd pictured them watching or, or kind of reading these posts or looking at these posts in Pine Bovel and then reacting like Edward Woodward at the end of The Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> just cannot believe anything he's seen. Uh, just utterly in a, in, a, in a panic. But like he spoke about the fact that when he was uh, when he was looking after the pitch, he'd asked for certain things and the board basically said, listen, we can't afford it. Aye. So listen, if they can't afford it, they can't afford it. Fair enough. But it's just not a thing that's where it's like a you've got to spend like 150 quid on uh, what fertiliser or whatever or some seeding or whatever. I don't know mm-hmm. what it was because <clears throat> if you don't spend it now in the future that'll uh-huh. cost you and yeah. it'll not just cost you financially it'll cost you reputationally yep. your, your esteem mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we are seeing mm-hmm. just now and to then share your pitch with the Rangers Kiddie Winks so yeah. there's potentially two games a week and of course it's costing them money in terms of things like 
well, I presume in hospitality it might have to be refunded. If you can't play on a Saturday, I'm guessing they can't sell hospitality on a, a, on a, a, a Tuesday. But even on top of that, so even about how poor the, the, the pitch has been and the fact that this game keeps getting cancelled, the it kind of felt like the way they treated the certainly maybe more so the the Stirling Albion fans on Tuesday, the fact that they were asked to to queue up in the the pouring rain to then just get a, a token mm. to say they could get into the next game for free, it didn't feel like a particularly great way to 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 treat the the people who had travelled a, a, a good distance to to turn up for that game. Yeah, no, no, I'd read I'd read the same post as yourself, Sean. Uh, one fan particularly unhappy with the, just the it's a lack of communication, lack of communication yeah. and lack of information uh, to supporters about what to do in that game or, or the fact, I don't think anyone, I, I suppose to be called off, I think people when they got into the ground and were taking their seats would have been like, "There's this is this is severely in doubt. But given what had happened the previous time they meant to play, play each other, what was that game was postponed frozen pitch? Yep. If it wasn't pitched the last time, you'd think, right, we don't want to embarrass ourselves again. Let's take all the precautions necessary. And I suppose at five o'clock in the afternoon, that game must have been fine. So for it to happen a second time, sorry, I, I've happened a second time in the, the space of uh, like a fortnight or so is is just horrendous. And it's Dumbarton, I've got, I mean, we'll talk about what's going on, going to happen on the pitch, but just talk about them off the pitch. Now, Fraser Clark and I uh, did a podcast on the Patreon, which is really good, and I'd really recommend listening to it because he goes into a lot of detail about the stuff that's happening that, that Sean and I perhaps don't have the, the same degree of knowledge as, but I mean, he talks about like the, the lack of investment, an ongoing lack of investment. We've just mentioned the fact that the groundskeeper couldn't get fertilizer, but an absentee owner, an absentee owner who doesn't seem to know much about football, but knows about what kids like sneakers. Are <laughs> That was my favourite aspect of the of this entire sad tale. There's a Daily Record article that was published a couple of days ago, and it was notes from the basically it was AGM. a report on the the supporters trust AGM. That was it, yeah. And there, the guy that was with Henning something, he's a Norwegian. It's a Norwegian Henning something or other. Christofferson. Christofferson. Henning Christofferson sounds <clears throat> right. He was talking about within ten minutes of of this call with someone. He was talking about putting the club's badge on trainers because that's the good way. That's what young people want. That's how you engage the youth people, young people, by putting badges on trainers. I mean, let's be honest. If you're buying trainers, you want like the Adidas logo or a big Nike swoosh. You're not going to be... Imagine pitching up at school with the button badge on the trainers. You, 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 you don't want an elephant and a rock. You don't want an elephant and a rock on your trainers. Are you mad? <laughs> Horrendous idea, but I mean, it, it's, uh, it seems to me the people in charge of the club. There's a real, um, just a real lack of interest and care in them. And I suppose when you take <clears throat> when you take all these factors into consideration, it's perhaps remarkable that Dumbarton have up until these last few weeks done as well as they have done. Aye, and I, I think uh, uh, again without without knowing the, the ins and out of the ins and outs of of how. Uh, Dumbarton are organised. They obviously have a, they have a three-man board, which is my understanding. That doesn't sound like a lot of people to run a football club. You then have uh, they're owned by a company who don't appear to have any directors, which is very weird. But ultimately, what it's what it appears to be over the last five, six, seven years that anybody that comes in and takes over at Dumbarton 
They're not interested in the button. Yeah. They're not interested in the ground. They're not interested in the football club. They're interested on the plot of land that the ground is situated on. And they want to sell that for housing and they want to move the club on. And for one reason or another, it never seems to work out. And these people eventually lose interest because they don't think they can make any money from the club. And then they move on. And that seems to have happened now off the top of my head two, maybe three times. And it, it, it seems like such a shame because like the band has a lot going for it. Like mm-hmm. I, I think the I, I actually quite like going to the button. I think the location is is brilliant, but it, it just feels like that every year, year by year by year, they're getting worse and worse yeah. and worse. Unless somebody come in, can come in and take over the club that's genuinely interested in the club itself rather than the, the land that the ground is located on, I, I kind of fear for them going forward. It must be what it's like to be a widow on a dating app that people <laughs> people are interested in. They're, they're not interested in you for your what you've got. They're more interested in your building society books. And, and that's what it must be like taking over at, at, at Dumbarton. Uh, because uh, it's one of the, the great frustrations is that, see, if you could just lift that stand and put it on the opposite side of the pitch. You would, have, you, would, you would have the most spectacular view uh-huh. in the whole of Scottish football instead of just what is it, a, a river and some some housing. Um, were, you yeah. ever at, uh, were you ever at East Fife's? Yeah, I was. When they, when they yeah. first built it? The power station. And then you could watch like the crane picking up coal. Oh, no, 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 no. I just remember the derelict power station being there. So when that when that stadium was first opened, there was a, there was a couple of games I went to, and it was still a working power station. And oh, even amazing. when the game, even when the game was absolutely dreadful, you can just watch a gigantic crane picking up a huge amount of coal. That's incredible. Like, wow, this, this is really exciting. That's but incredible. But, but obviously, once that went, East Fife became uh, less interesting. And likewise, if only the Barton, as you say, the stand faced the other way, that would be a brilliant view if the game wasn't great. Or they demolish the flats on the other side of the river and build a power station. <laughs> I liked. Uh, I liked there was another. No, I never seen. To be fair, I never saw the the comment uh, in in quotes. But somebody put in Pine Buffalo that one of Christopherson's other ideas away from trainers was to start uh, chiseling off pieces of rock and just selling it to people. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is this is true. Yeah, his idea was to chisel bits of Dumbarton rock from the the rock and put it in jars and sell it. Imagine going to school, showing your Dumbarton trainers on and your your jar of of Dumbarton rock. The coolest and, uh, kid in the playground. And no, you just get bullied. <laughs> your head thrown caved away. in. Ah, your head caved in. Your base. Your jar. The jar cracked open. You over your head, and your shoes thrown away. Your shoes thrown into the river <laughs> <laughs> next to the rock. <laughs> but, but it's it's, it's cause I I I I like Dumbarton. That that I've the. When I was there last time, like speaking to Fraser, Fraser's a class guy, um, talking to, to Big John Gemmell, nice guy, just don't go on his Twitter page, um, and talking to some of the other people. That Doesn't like the there. Dalai Lama. Oh, <laughs> do you like the Dalai Lama after that? I, I think his actions are uh, concerning. <laughs> See, when I, I didn't tweet about looking him up, though. No, no, I, 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 I thought it was an onion headline <laughs> when, I, when I saw it. It's just one of those things, or, or somehow brass eye, just one of those things that's so absurd. <laughs> it sounds like something you would say at the start of This Is The News. Aye, but then... But, then that'd be asked to, to, to do it again. It down. I can eat Craig, we need another one. Um, we can't have religious figures sucking children's tongues. It's like, that's too far-fetched. All right, oh, I'm sorry. And then he actually does it. 
fuck it, fucking hell. But but the, the folk the folk I've met at Dumbarton, like, are just are so nice. And the the, the ones, certainly the ones I've, I've spoken to me, they, they they watch a view from the terrace and they're really complimentary and really positive. And it's great to talk to them about football. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I just find out like it's good to talk to to their fans because you can read stuff on Pie and Bovril and all that. And Pie and Bovril is very interesting. You, mm-hmm. You're absolutely correct. The Dumbarton thread is very interesting. But to talk to folk about what's happening to the club and so on, find it really really interesting. I've been there twice this season, and it's been it's been really good on on both times. And so you kind of want them to do like you, you want to see them do all right because they, mm-hmm. they've been good in the past, Dumbarton. Like that Ian Murray side, they were a yep. really, really exciting mm-hmm. team. The, the, the team that, that almost finished in the the championship playoffs or the Premiership. Playoffs, it wasn't. It wasn't that long ago. They were the best part time team in Scotland. It wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. And it just shows you that, like, like when I did that podcast with Fraser talking to him, you saying, "Bloody hell, feel so lucky at, mm-hmm. at Steny that that broadly we're in a good place and we've got people yeah. running the club that, that that care about it and are passionate about it and want to see the club thrive." Because that's how you could. I, I I don't know how how what the structures at Stennis Muir, but they could sell it to uh, a business, a, a mustache twiddling businessman, you know, <laughs> who just wants to turn Oakview into flats because it's proximity to a a, a train station. Stennis Muir is a nice place to stay. Um, that's that would be the worry there. But we might as well talk about what's happening on the pitch because they've been they've been shit recently. Aye, and 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 I. Again, similar to, to I suppose other teams uh, in the SPFL, it, it just feels like they have not just run out of puff, but run out of run out of players. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, in the last few games, they've they've barely had a substitutes bench, and as I think we mentioned on uh, previously, that that win and run that they went on at the start of the season, like yes, it was hugely impressive, but they weren't scoring a lot of goals. It was based on the fact that they were keeping loads and like a huge amount of clean sheets, and it was. They either had to start scoring goals or continue to keep a clean sheet every single week, and that was that's really never going to be feasible. Yeah. And if they haven't really, haven't really kicked on in terms of goals scored. No, I, I don't want to be smart after the fact, but I I did think Dumbarton would win the league because they were because I thought that was like it sounds like they are winning games without <clears> playing well. But having seen Dumbarton four times this season, I don't think they're a good side. I, I, I like haven't seen Stirling Albion twice this season. Stirling Albion are a good side. Stirling Albion are, 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 are a good team. But Dumbarton, I thought that they they, they had a, a strange tactic of they would go just like one goal ahead and then try to shut the game down. Did it against Stenhouse Muir a couple of weeks ago. They scored, uh, they scored right at the end of the first half. A really nice goal from Aaron Linus. Really nice goal from Aaron Linus. And then from the second half, sorry, just before that, so Linus scored and then the ball was going out of play. It was a looping ball that had gone out of play and it was going out for a bye kick for Brett Long and Martin McNiff was chasing after it to make sure it went out and the pair of them just left it and then Brett Long walked to get it and I was thinking, here we go. We are going to get 45 minutes of Brett Long taking ages over his goal kicks. And uh, like, I Dumbarton had a small squad and injuries at, at, at that point and so on, but it's like you've got quality, you've got good players in there, you've got the players that you can go and take the game to, to your opponents, you can go in there and get a second, maybe get a third. <clears throat> but instead, they just seemed to content to sit in a one-goal lead. And when Stennis Muir came back into the match, it was uh, Gavin Riley scored. They didn't seem to have anywhere else to go. 
and then Tamor got a goal like shortly afterwards, and then then Brett Long's like like speeding up his goal kicks, and they brought Russell McLean on, and oh my goodness, like like Russell McLean like not good, did not have a positive impact in the game, and the you're seeing fans at. Like at Dumbarton, and you've you've read you'll have read the same comments in Pine Ball that I have. Fans at Dumbarton are fed up of him already. Probably presumably the same way that fans at Montrose were fed up of him. The fans yeah. at Peterhead sometimes got fed up of him. I think he's just destined to be like very occasionally out of this world, but most of the time incredibly frustrating. And you saw that there. And now they're at the stage where they have picked up. I took a note of the points. So the last eight games, they have taken uh, just eight points. From the last eight games, um, we, where are we know where we've got them. Where are we? Seven points from the last eight games compared to Stirling Albion, who haven't lost in twenty twenty three. Eighteen points from from the same period, and you just seen them fall fall down. And I still think they'll finish in second. I, uh, but I I think they'll get knocked out of the playoff semi-finals. Annan, who are finishing third, there's still a degree of interest in the who are finishing third and fourth. will will beat them in the semis. Yeah, no, no I, I, I think so. And I, I, I think that the other big thing from a and Dumbarton perspective this season is, I, I think if you'd if you'd asked most Dumbarton fans at the end of last season, they would have gladly not had Stevie Farrell back again for this season. However, he was under contract. Yeah, I, I, I was under contract for this he season. He was under contract. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So. Listen, if you don't have a lot of money sloshing around, then then sacking a, a, a manager is is, is a, a, a big deal. I think what Dumbarton fans are reasonably surprised at this season is the fact that he was given such a long contract extension. Yes, they were top of the league at the time, uh, but they weren't guaranteed winning the league. They weren't guaranteed no. promotion. And now, I, I, again, it feels like another decision from a from a board that wasn't necessary. I mean, who I'm, with the greatest will in the world, and, and this sounds really disrespectful, and I don't mean it to be, how many other teams are going to be coming under we're going to be coming in for Stevie Farrell this season. They didn't need to I, give him such a long contract. The point that, that Fraser made, though, was the reasoning behind it. Because I'm sure the contract has been given just before Fraser and I recorded that podcast, that they wanted Dumbarton to be similar to Montrose in that regard, where you've got largely the same group of players every season and there's a turnover of about four or five players a season rather than like 10 or 11. You, know, you want a degree of continuity. I myself, and, and I suppose though, if you're the manager, I mean, you think about it, and you and you and you know what, there'll be a there'll be a degree of well, why are you giving them a contract when the job's half done, but 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 at the same token, it's like if you're if you're comfort and secure in your job, then 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 you've got something that you're not really worried about, like hanging over you, like thinking that that oh Christ, my <clears> job's <throat> in danger, I could I could be removed from a post. No, you've got that degree of security that will just allow you to concentrate on the task at hand, but. But, and this is a big but, fans have never, the impression I get fans have never really quite taken to him. No, I mean, they were, I think, off the top of my head, I think at the start of last season, they were doing pretty well, maybe. Yep. Certainly the, the kind of top end of the league, I, I, I think by the time they got two thirds of the way through the season, they'd already had enough of them. And yes, I think he'd, I think he'd managed to, to kind of turn around a lot of the naysayers, maybe halfway through this season, but he, he didn't have a well, he had no credit. Let's face it, he had no credit in the bank going into this season, and I, I think we're now back to not necessarily square one. Let's face it, they're second. They still have a shot of of getting promoted. I don't think they'll take it, but let's say they don't get promoted this season. I don't think there'll be a lot of Dumbarton fans that are delighted to have to have Farrell in charge at the start of next season. 
I I agree. I uh, I one as always, Sean. I finish a point by saying I agree with you. <laughs> it just must be so frustrating because, like, on the whole, like that's that's the frustrating thing. Is like it's very similar to the point I made about Queens Park. See if you extrapolate like the points total, for instance. Just you take the points total and the finishing position, and you said to Queens Park, like you will finish the season in second place with. 60 points, thought would be like, that's an incredible season. But then you actually see how it plays out where you lead the table for, for such a long period <laughs> and then completely fall away at the end. This would be the same, it'll be the same with Dumbarton. You can say you can say to Dumbarton fans, we'll give you 60 points uh-huh. and finish in second. Amazing. Class. But then, like, from literally week two up until about week 30, week 29, and then you fall away so badly that your position is under, so under scrutiny. That's, uh, that's, Oh, it's horrendous. But then, similar to Billy Dawes, how does any manager cope with that injury list where you've got players that are running on empty and you, you can't do anything to, to alleviate the pressure on them or to, to give them a rest because you've got a, you're only able to play like three, a bench of three, one of whom's a goalkeeper? Aye, and I, I suppose. But but that's that ultimately sums up where the like where the Barna they 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 have no money that like they don't have anybody that's investing so they already had a small squad uh, a small squad that m- certainly their their main start eleven have to play the vast majority of the minutes because because they have to and then they're playing it on a, a park that's ultimately a, a a glue pot so probably aches strains and injuries start to accumulate even worse when you're playing on that that park every every fortnight it's a, it's just an accumulation of things isn't it. And see, going forward as well, we mentioned not too long ago about the esteem that these things, that these seasons like this will hold the team in. If you're a player looking at the pitch at the Rock, you might just be like, nah, I'm, I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm going to play, play elsewhere. I, I, I don't fancy. If you're a football player, someone who wants to play football, someone who's a good football player, likes passing the ball around, you might just look at that and just think, nah, nah I'm, I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to go and sign for, I don't know, I'm going to go and sign for Clyde. Instead, I, Clyde, Clyde are offering like same amount of money. I'm going to go and sign for Clyde. And I think if you are a, a, a football player and you are, let's face it, football like Scottish football is quite a small world, and everybody speaks to each other. And I think unless unless signing for Dumbarton suited you in terms of commute, mm-hmm. like unless you you stayed not far from where they train or, or where they play, I, I would imagine you would look at look at other options. No. Because of the facilities and because of the park that they're currently playing on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the manager might be able to sell it well, and I think that Stephen Farrell's a good talker. I think he's quite easy to buy into. We've spoken in the past about how well he came across. He speaks so well. How well he came across <laughs> when he was the Stranraer manager. But generally, I really like the cut of his jib, and I, I, I would buy into to what he was selling. Um, until then, I, I do my ACL trying to trap a pass. <laughs> Damn you, Stephen Farrell. <laughs> Your magic beans. That's it. Craig Telford, the most promising midfielder in the Scottish lower leagues till he uh, he made a five-yard pass on Dumbarton's pitch. And fell down a hole that a Rangers B player, <laughs> a Rangers B player had made previously in the season. It'd be quite funny if like the centre circle, like you fall down a hole, there's four other players in there who have made the same mistake. A Rangers B player that nobody had seen for weeks. <laughs> Folk thought he just chucked it. <laughs> nice. I, he fell down in the middle of a match and no one noticed. Starving. 
As we mentioned at the start, we're going to take a, a look at the bottom of the, the table as well. Just, just as I said, you think um, Stoll and Albion will win the division? Uh, I, I've got a hunch that they will. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got an inkling. There's something I can feel. There's something in the water. That, that I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, man. I fancy them. I really do. Uh, you and your fucking pal Danny going to the cellar. <laughs> On the fucking time of your lives. <laughs> now, we'll look at the bottom of League Two. Now, I think it's good to say, Sean, it's still definitely between three teams, maybe four teams, to try and avoid finishing in 10th place. I I, I suspect three. Okay. I, 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 don't, I don't think it'll be four now. Well, I'm hosting the show, so I'm going to go for four. <laughs> okay, four it is. Uh, Stranraer, Albion Rovers, Bonnie Rig Rose Athletic and Elgin City. There's only five points that separate those sides. Stranraer might be safe. They've got 38 and maybe another definitely another win will be enough yeah. to, to do it. Uh, but there's only two points separating the other three. And I have seen all four sides in action in recent weeks. My own team, Stennis Muir. If you didn't know who I support, I support Stenhouse Muir, by the way. They played Bonnie Rig and Elgin City on Saturday and Tuesday, respectively. I watched both games. So, Sean, if you want to ask me any questions, I'm handing the microphone over to you to, to turn it back in my face. Uh, if you want to ask me any questions about my thoughts on the bottom of League Two, um, go ahead, or I can ask you. It's up to you. So, so in terms of in terms of the four at the bottom right now, so you've seen all of them. Who? Do, do you think there's any that their, their performances in the last few weeks would suggest that they are the ones that are capable of climbing out of it? We'll start with Bonnie Rig, right? Mm-hmm. For a long time, I thought they'd finish in 10th place. They, they, on the whole, have been the worst team I've seen so far this season. I think they're, like, I'm going to repeat some points we've made in the past. Robbie Horn, very loyal to the players that won them promotion from the Lowland League. Too loyal to the players that, that won in promotion because, on the whole, most of them just aren't good enough for, for the level. What I would say is that on Saturday, nil-nil draw at Oakville View, that was the best I've seen from them so far this season and marked improvement on, on them, visibly improved. Uh, and and that that's not a and that's not a one-off. Like they've been like visibly better oh, over me, the last I don't know, six weeks or so. You really I, I, Bonnie Riggs. Bonnie Riggs results, they have beaten Albion Rovers, beaten Sonar, beaten Elgin City, they've beaten the teams around them. And yeah, had those results gone another way, you'd be like Bonnie Rigg, Bonnie Rigg are finishing bottom. But the fact that their form over the last seven or eight games has been broadly impressive, that's that's what's really pulled them out of contention. Not just pulled them out of contention, but it's done the dual factor of bringing the other teams right, sucked them right into it. I mean, at the end of the match, Kieran McGacky, on his Instagram page, he's he's posted pictures of his shirt off. I saw him live without his shirt off. Aspirational. That's how I describe it. And I, I'm not, and I mean that in a, a positive way, whereas a guy has just decided, listen, I'm going to try and get fit. I've got you get one chance of, of, uh, like, of, of, of trying to be a football player. Let's this, uh, uh, muck about with it. Th- this sounds like when uh, at the end of Scotland-Brazil in 1998 and John Collins walked off with his strip off and his physique was significantly better than any other Scotland player. Mm-hmm. You're making it sound a wee bit like that. There's no need for him to walk off the pitch without a shirt on, but I'd say, <laughs> I'd say fair play to him, all the same. I think that like in that match at the weekend, Stenismere were the better team. A draw was probably... No, no, no. should have won it. Stenismere had a goal disallowed that should have stood. It was a header that from a long throw-in that no idea why it wasn't given. So Stensbury should have won it. And Stensbury were the better side. But what I would say about Bonnie Rigg is, like, Paddy Martin's a good goalkeeper. Like, Paddy Martin, and I think he's been a big factor in their 
they're, they're rising. I think he made a save in the 1 0 win over Stranraer. Well, Luke Scullion is uh, making an arse of things at one end of the pitch. Paddy he's Martin, doing the opposite he's at the other the end. Opposite. Yes, he's, very he's much not, so. He's, uh, he's making an arse of Paddy Martin made a great save. Paddy Martin's been a really, really good signing. And you just see the confidence he has in his handling and his kicking and uh, just, the, just the way he conducts himself in his penalty box. And to the extent that I wonder why what, what Falkirk don't like about him, that they didn't want to, they, they've not used him at all this season they may have used them in friendlies and, and, and cup competitions but the fact that they've they've been able to, to loan him out they obviously don't fancy him I would be interested to know why that was the case because any time I've seen him I think he's broadly a, a good goalkeeper I think Josh Grigger another ex-Tennismuir player I think he is useful he is a, a young centre-back plays in the on the right-hand side of that back three He's just comfortable in the ball. He's a, he's a ball-playing centre-back. He's a wee bit lightweight and can get pushed around a wee bit, but he makes up for that by his te- technical ability and his willingness to get stuck in, like what I've seen from him. And Magaki up top was largely kept quiet by Nicky Jameson, but he still always put himself about, but always still made himself available. And was really what the team were looking to do, was try and hit him and then, then push up the park. And I do think that if they stay up, then... And Horn can turn that team over because it does need to be turned over. I'd be interested to see what they do. And I think that perhaps like between Albion Rovers and Elgin, maybe. I, 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 was, imp- I was impressed what I've seen from them. I, I, don't, I don't want to be too bold in predictions because the thing is, we'll talk about the other teams. Albion Rovers, they've got the best player in the division playing with them. Somebody who can create a chance out of nothing, someone who can set up goals for teams, somebody who scored at the weekend in the, the Tino win over Elgin City. And Elgin City themselves have got a, a really good player in Kane Hester. Obviously, Hester's had his problems off the field with that, that uh, taking to court over a, a betting charge, which, like, based on what the evidence and the reports were, astonished that have not proven uh, yeah. in, in that one. I'm sure he's got a, he'll have a charge from the Scottish FA up, though, on that, which will no doubt I think there's a much higher threshold of proof in the, the Scottish court than there is at an SFA tribunal with like old guys in glasses and blazers all sitting around debating his fate, imagine. <laughs> so I think he'll be in for a ban, however. He's a very good player. Um, I, I, don't I, know I, so. I just I think, don't, in, in terms so. of. And, and see, see, in terms of watching the highlights, so I think that, that Bonnerig have now aye, got got considerably better and are now starting to pick up points in games that I, I think will lift them out of the way. Stranraer have probably done enough so far uh, in terms of... like Stranraer has been weird in terms of there's been points where I'm like, they could potentially challenge for the top four this season. And then there's been points where I'm like, oh no, they're in big trouble at the, at the bottom of the table. I I, I, I suspect they'll, they'll already maybe have enough to, 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 to stay out of trouble. I think it's between Albion Rovers and Elgin. And I think what was a very interesting game that I watched between the two, was it last weekend? I mean, it was 3-0 to Albion Rovers and going by the highlights, it was 3-0 going on five or six. I mean, Elgin, Elgin may have had a wee spell at the start of the second half where they had a couple of half chances, but by and large, Albion Rovers were, were, were absolutely dominant. I thought that was, bear in mind, that's the two teams at the bottom of the table. I thought that was quite telling. However, because of that point in midweek, it's still Elgin that are ninth and Albion Rovers at a 10th. Elgin are terrible, man. Elgin, I tell you, it was a dreadful game of football. That was a dreadful game of football on on Tuesday night. Now, I went through Toko View to watch it because of the muck-up that had happened between the teams when they were travelling up to Elgin previously. Effectively, Elgin hadn't done a pitch inspection. Stennis Muir players were not too far from, I think they were right, not okay. far from Inverness. So, 
not great. And the the club uh, basically they Elgin streamed the match for Stennis Muir for free. Say they streamed for free, it would have cost a tenner if somebody had bought it. So it wasn't <laughs> a, it wasn't a fresh Stenny were, were would have been massive, we've massively uh, done a favour for. However, they put it in the wee bar. You've been in the wee bar. I'm sure some yep. of our listeners have been in the wee bar as well. And they connected it up to a laptop and plugged it into the television. So it was the first time, it was actually quite good, the first time watching like Stenny in, felt like in the pub with your with your uh-huh. mates. So it, was, so it was good in that regard. But the football was dog shit. The football was absolute <laughs> dog shit. And it was my mate, my mate nearly made a good point afterwards. He said that when you go and watch Stenny in the flesh, you don't appreciate how bad it is because there's the noise, there's the atmosphere. You're you're aware of the, the your friends that, that are around. You're having a pie, you're having a bovril, and so on. There's the, you've been drinking beforehand, drinking after it, and so on. All these elements. But when you're actually sitting on a weeknight watching, you think this is terrible. And is this how is this how bad we are? It's like you know when somebody hears their own voice. <laughs> it's like. They, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that and, and fuck me Sean it was it was brutal it was like I don't know if you've ever felt like this in the football but it's like the football's ugly it's like guys getting the ball not even taking a touch not looking up just booting it down the pitch and you say somebody put your fucking foot on the ball and then somebody does try to control it what are you fucking controlling for get it off the park it was it, it was horrendous and, and Elgin took the lead I, I, I need to see the highlights back it was a Stennis Muir error I think Somebody got ragdolled and an Elgin player got in got in space and Kane Hester fed him and it was a, a good finish. And shot, uh, Ross Forbes scored a really good goal at the end of the game, just like it was out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere, just like the ball broke to him at the edge of the area. He, he sort of got played into him in his back to goal and just turned on his left foot. I don't even think he looked up. Just hit the thing in his left foot. Really, really good finish. And... That, that that was it. So Elgin are Elgin are bad, but a different kind of badness for Bonnie Ring. At least with, with, with Bonnie Ring's badness, there's a method to it. You know what they're trying to do, and I think that's perhaps limited to the kind of players they have. Whereas Elgin, as we've seen, mentioned they've got a really good striker in um and and Kane Hester. They've also got guys like Brian Cameron. You know, like Brian Cameron's a decent player. Why not uh, get him on the ball more? And and they just didn't do it. The pitch was horrendous as well. But it just, it was just, it was just an awful game, awful game between two poor sides. And based on that, I mean, you want to talk about form, Bonnyrigg in decent form, Albion Rovers, the very important win at the weekend. Elgin, the team that aren't in form, and they've changed their yeah. manager, Gavin Price, who seemed really disappointed to lose his job, as as you would. Nobody's happy to lose their job. But I just like his the thing that he put up on Twitter when he said he was gutted. He actually felt felt really sad for him because he seems like a, a like a, a real stand up guy, Gav Price. But you can't go you can't go, Sean, you can't go uh, like six games in a row without you can't you just can't you can't do that, man. It, it was interesting what he said about it, and I think it just comes down to uh how, how decent a person he was where he said that he is he's been far more disappointed at uh, Elgin's results in 2023 than he was for for losing his job because yeah. he's I, 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 because he has the he had the club at heart I suppose aye and and the, the, they're a poor side draining confidence in it and I don't know how psychologically that might affect him the fact that you're, you've basically seen three points and, and moving off the foot of the table turn to to one at the mm-hmm. at the, the swish of someone's boot where like no, nobody really deserved it. I'm not saying that Elgin were Stennis we were bad Elgin were bad dreadful game of football a draw was a fair outcome but 
I wonder what that'll do to him. And, and the way I, the more I think about it, the more I think it'll be Elgin that that finish finish bottom. I I think so too. And then I think they'll play whether it's Bucky or Breakin. Uh, I'm not sure. And then uh, I mean anything could happen. But I, I don't think Spartans will make the the, the kind of final of the, the the playoff. But I, I do think it'll be Elgin versus the the winner of the Highland League w- without knowing the, the the kind of various uh, like. How good those two highly teams are, I, 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 I'm not sure what will happen, but I don't think it'll be Elgin that'll, that'll finish tenth. What I would say though, having looked at the 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 result, the, the sort of the teams that each of them are playing, Bonnerig have got quite a difficult running because they've got Dumbarton and we saw with Dumbarton. I actually so there's three points. <laughs> I fancy them to beat Dumbarton, but then after that they've got Annan, Forfar, and Elgin, mm-hmm. and you think, well, Annan, being by that point, Annan could have their top four place confirmed. No, I don't think they will actually. No, because there's still a lot to play for uh, th- th- this weekend. But but there's Annan, a team who have still got all to play for. Fourth Athletic, a team who have still got all to play for. Could come down to that final game of the season against Elgin, where it's uh, I mean, it's at New Dundas Park, and we know Bonnie Rig will, will bring out a good support for that. But that could come down to that final game of the season. Could be all or nothing. Good. That would be uh, that would be very exciting. Um. So I that's so I think that's probably perhaps a, a time to time to wrap up. I think so. I've enjoyed myself. Oh yeah, well that's good and, and, and Sean's enjoyed himself and hopefully you, the listener, have enjoyed yourself <laughs> as well. Sean and I are going on to the Patreon and we're going to record about a, a 20 minute podcast looking at our favourite lower league highlights packages. We haven't done a criteria for it, we should have done this no. beforehand, um, basically talking about which club does the best and, and why and what makes a good highlights package, why some clubs are better compared to others. Uh, and uh, so, so it could be a lot of fun if you want to listen to it you need to subscribe to the Patreon though it's um, it's not a lot of money even in the cost of living crisis let's be honest two quid two quid's going to eat you fuck all let's, let's, <laughs> let's be honest like other than Patreons uh, in the old days two quid might have bought you a coffee and a baguette but listen this not ain't now. this ain't 1971 anymore granddad so stick that two quid in the in our back pockets and you can get hours and hours of content. Always impressed by the degree of content that goes up in the terrace, man. Always there's just so much stuff. It's never ending. It's unrelenting. It never ends. Have you seen the episode of The Simpsons, the ironic punishment division? So you like podcasts, do you? Well, I have all the podcasts in the world. And it's Homer Simpson getting shoved donuts in his mouth. I've seen the bit where Homer Simpson gets donuts, yes. Yeah, right, okay. It's, it's quite a famous scene. Well, on that bombshell, um, Sean, great to have spent the evening with you. <laughs> Ditto. And thank you, the listener. It was great to spend the evening with you, even if I can't see you, um, just face down in the mattress. Uh, but please continue to enjoy your football, but please do so respectfully. That's something that Sean and I are very particular about. Be considerate. We'll catch up with you soon. Bye. Podcast Network.